When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, College Cross fans? You're watching episode 208 of the Lax Factor podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today, the best day of lacrosse, or the best weekend of lacrosse. We had four games yesterday. I'm, I'm recording this Sunday morning. We've got four more games today. Yesterday, I sat on my back porch from noon until the end of the Virginia game. I actually moved it into the house towards the end of the Virginia game because I started getting bit by mosquitoes, but we're going to talk about every game today. We're going to talk about BU at Princeton, Richmond at Penn, St. Joe's at Yale, and then Virginia at Brown. We're going to talk about briefly about a bunch of Division Three games that were played yesterday as well. And then to, uh, Monday, probably Monday morning, tomorrow morning, I'll put out a show, a second show, uh, recapping Sunday's games. I didn't want to wait until Monday to do all of them. I figured well, let's put out two shows this weekend, and uh, that way we can talk about some of the D3 games and the D2 games that are being played today. So before I get into it, as always, the best way you can support us, just like this video if you're watching it on YouTube. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed and you're seeing it on YouTube. It doesn't hurt you to do so. So please help us. We're almost to 10,000 subscribers. I'm hoping this weekend and into this week will be where we crest that. Uh, so help us out that way. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself swag, t-shirts, hats, all that crap as well. But let's uh, let's dive right into this here. Uh, I won't even really use the bracket here for this. But first game I want to talk about is BU at Princeton. Now, the first half for BU couldn't have gone worse, uh, other than the fact they were only losing 6-2. I mean, they, they came out and they played terrible. Now, credit to the BU defense for keeping things reasonable during that first half, despite committing 12 turnovers. 10 of them were forced turnovers caused by the Princeton defense. That Princeton defense forced 15 turnovers on the day. A very impressive effort. Another incredible stat, the Terriers' top three scorers, and we're going to see that here. The Terriers' top three scorers uh, scored zero points. As my daughter would say, when she was young, they scored, uh, when she was young, they scored none points. I had to double check that. And it was true. Dalto, Lay, and Perfetto scored exactly dick on the day. And that was really the undoing of, of Boston U. Uh, BU, they also got toasted at the faceoff dot. They lost eight of the first 10 draws on the day. Princeton's Tyler Sandoval, he won 15 of 18 overall. So he dominated the faceoff X that also doomed Boston U in this game. Uh, Slusher, he scored the first goal of the second half, a nice dodge underneath his guy at GLE, dive shot that he stuck high. Uh, Brown got the helper on that. That made it 7-2 Princeton and quieted BU's hopes uh, a bit coming out of the, the second half. BU really needed, you know, being down only 6-2 at halftime after as poorly as they played through that first half, they, if they had come out and stuck a goal or two to start that third quarter, then maybe that could have changed some of the momentum of this game. But that slusher goal, uh, the slusher goal, that just ended everything. Now, credit to Eric Peters. He made two really nice saves to start out that second half. I stated in the preview on Friday that he needed to play tough today because he had struggled on his last couple of outings to end the season. He played really good in their 12-7 win, Princeton's 12-7 win over Boston U earlier in the season. I think he had like a 63, 67% save percentage. 
And I said, as long as he played well and he was above 50%, Princeton would win. If he was above 60% between the tight pipes, that Boston, that, that Princeton would win by a larger margin than they won the last game. And that proved to be true here in the end. He ends up st uh, stopping 15 of the 20 shots that he faced with a save percentage of 75. That is not too shabby here for Eric Peters, as you see here. And then Matt Garber, not a terrible day, but he loses the goalie battle. You know, like I said, uh, Boston, you turned the ball over a ton early and they played a bunch of defense through that first half. They played solid defense through that first half, but the slow burn to victory for uh, Princeton, that was kind of already, already in play here. Now, sure, Chris Brown, he had himself a day. He goes for um, five assists. Okay, no, I almost screwed that up. He went for seven assists with no goals the last time Princeton played Brown. In this one, he has no goal, five-dish performance. Uh, Slusher, Ronda, and English, they each put up hat-tricks. But Peters and Sandoval, in the end here, they deserve to split the game ball. The lopsidedness of their stat lines compared to their opponents, it was beyond considerable. So credit to those two for really giving not only did Sandoval give Princeton a possession disparity, but Peters and Cage just did a good job of just keeping the door closed all day on Boston U's offense. And Boston U's offense, they put points up. I was surprised Princeton was, in fact, able to hold them to five goals. That defense played incredible all day long and just bottling them up, not giving them. I'm going to run a clip here. I believe I'm going to run it while I'm talking about this, but it's, it looked effortless at times because the way they just kind of defended, it almost seemed like Boston U wasn't quite as aggressive and they're dodging as they normally would be, but it, it, Princeton's defense did a great job of just not giving them an inch at all the different dodges all over the field. They did a great job, so credit to their defense. Uh, in this one, was I smart or dumb? My prediction here, uh, I, it was genius. I said if Peters was above 60% between the pipes, Princeton would win by a margin beyond their last meeting. He goes for 75%, and it made me look really smart. I nailed this prediction here. Uh, we'll talk about who's up next for Princeton a little later in the show as I go through and talk about the other games. Uh, let's rip through stats real fast. I just wanted to do that. Yeah, you see, not the usual suspects. Tommy Bork had a good game, three goals, but not the usual suspects for them down here. And then in terms of uh, offensive, I said Chris Brown, 0-5. Slusher was 3-1. Ronda, 3-0. Sam English, 3-0. So the Big Cats got it done for Princeton. And then forced turnovers. Sam English forced three of those turnovers. Luke Crimmins forced three. Pace Billings and Ben Finley, uh, they each forced two. So you see the defense getting the job done here for Princeton. Now let's move on to what was, I think, the best game of the day. It was the most exciting game for me anyway. Once again, I called the winner of this game properly. I got the margin wrong was all. But Richmond, they took an early two-goal lead and put a bit of a scare in me to start. And then Penn, you can see here, Penn goes on that five-goal run that made me feel smart again. Ben Smith put up two goals and a dish over that stretch for the Quakers. Richmond would score six of the game's next eight goals after that, as you see their run from here down to here. And uh, uh, that gave them an 8-7 lead with 8.57 left to play in the game, a goal by Ryan Dunn, assisted by Lance Madonna. Now, Richmond still led by a goal with under a minute left to play here as we get down into this region of the game where it's like holy shit time for Penn. Uh, but a really nice aggressive feed by Sam Handley 
threaded the needle down to Ben Smith on the crease. I almost thought it was just going to be a turnover. Looked like it was a force, but they connected. That resulted in the game-tying goal with just 29 seconds left in regulation. And then an OT, Handley, he dodges from uh, – not I, I, my notes say top middle, but I don't think it was top middle. I think he came top middle down the left side. He throws a uh, pass to uh, Gabe Fury on the far side of the field – who then fed Smith on the crease, and Smith buried the OT winner, the sudden death OT winner, and chaos ensued for Penn. Sam Handley, he was a problem. Three goals and a dish on the day. Just the big boy gets shit done. Let's get into the stats here so as we talk about it, we can kind of see what he did. But yeah, you see here, Sam Handley, 3-1. and one. You see Ben Smith, the freshman, getting shit done. The dude was a monster on the day. Five goals and a helper, both with efficient games, though. You know, Hanley shooting 33%, uh, Smith above 50% here in this way, and then you had Dylan Gergar, 2-1, uh, and one, uh, Gabe Fury here, 0-3. So they got it done all over the field. Big win for Patrick Birkinshaw in net for Penn, 15 saves versus the 25 shots that he faced. He won the goalie battle by a margin, and Penn needed every single one of those saves to win this game in overtime. Now, Richmond stayed in this game by shooting the ball well. Penn outshot them 39-35, to but the Spiders put 25 shots on cage to Penn's 22. That efficiency was huge in helping Richmond get back in this game, stay in this game right down to the end. But in the end, Birkenshaw, he made those extra saves against those extra shots that Penn put on him, and he gets the game ball if I'm deciding in this one. It ended up being a hell of a game. As we kind of look at the points here, Ryan Lanchberry, 1-2. Dalton Young had a good game, scored a couple early. He's 3-0. Lance Madonna, 1-2. Just just not quite enough. The face-off dot was also a big story here. Uh, Jamie Zuzzi, he wins 17 of 25 of the face-offs for Penn on the day. So, I mean, in a game where Penn, like Richmond, literally gave it their all. They lose the, the face-off battle. They lose the goalie battle. But despite that, uh, Richmond was able to stay in this game, get it to overtime at least, and it was it was unfortunate uh, that they lost. You know that that stinks here. Uh, let's see here, what else do we got? Uh, smarter dumb on this one. Smart. I picked the winner. I'm not a genius on this one because I expected to pen, pen to win by three or more goals is what I said. It took them OT to get this done. Credit to Richmond for playing an outstanding game and ruining my prediction here. And then there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, what I wanted to say, too, the biggest face-off win for Zuzi, who had 17. He went 17 to 25 for nine GBs and no turnovers. The biggest win was that overtime face-off win. He wins it forward. They Penn takes a timeout. They score a goal off that play. So credit to Zuzi in that. He had a great game as well. And like I said, I was smart, not quite genius, but smart. Now Penn will play the winner of the Harvard Rutgers game being played at five Eastern today, which I will be tuning into like crazy next game. And this was another very good game. Uh, how fun was this game to watch? Well, I'd ask you how good is Levi Anderson for St. Joe's. And I, now this is a guy, I think a lot of people truly were sleeping on. You hear a lot of douchebags talk about there's a lot of people on lacrosse Twitter that make the jokes about guys sleeping on guys to pick on the douchebags who are always saying someone's sleeping on guys that aren't really being slept on. Now, I will admit I was for sure sleeping on Levi Anderson. He scores the first goal of this game. It was just straight up. He bullied his way to the rack turned around and wrapped it around left-handed. Just an incredible dodge to start this game for St. Joe's. St. Joe's held a three-goal lead late into the first half here. Levi Anderson scored the ninth goal of the game as we come down to here. Here it was. Levi Anderson scores that ninth goal of the game. That gave his squad a 9-6 lead with 2.06 left in the half. And here I'm surprised. I thought St. Joe's would hang for the first. I thought Yale would slow burn this to a 7 8 
goal victory or so by the end of this game. St. Joe's never gave up now, but then, and you know, had a lead late in that first half. Now, Yale, they'd answer back. They'd scored two quick goals to end the half, to end the second quarter, getting back to within a goal before the half. The last goal of that half, Brad Sharp to Matt Brandau, a sneaky little feed and strike from the crease. The Bulldogs, they'd score the first two goals of the third, capping a four-goal run starting with the last two goals of that second uh, second quarter there. Uh, they'd take a 10-9 lead with 10:47 left in the third quarter. Brad Sharp to Chris Lyons on that one. Yale, they would build a 15-12 lead, but St. Joe's would refuse to go away. They got three back uh, between the end of the third and mid-fourth to get things back up again, but it was Yale's 17th goal of the game. Matt Brandau, unassisted. That would prove to be the eventual game winner. And the Ivy, they start the tournament here at this point, 3-0 with Princeton winning, Penn winning, and then Yale winning uh, with the Elis picking up this win. Big win. Uh, the game was pretty even in terms of stats. St. Joe's, they topped Yale. Let's get into that so you can see it as I'm going through here. Um, yeah, St. Joe's, they topped Yale with 32 shots on cage to Yale's 27, but Paquette, the rookie goalkeeper, he had a better day in cage, stopping 16 shots to Sealy's nine shots for St. Joe's. The kid got the, got the job done for Yale in net. St. Joe's failed three clears to Yale's two, but Yale turned the ball over three more times, so that was kind of a wash. GB's dead even. Both teams failed to connect on any man-ups. There was only three man-ups in the entire game. Zach Cole roasted Yale at the faceoff dot winning 22 of 37. A credit to him for even giving St. Joe's a chance. Is without that effort, this is the route that I thought it was going to be. And I, I admittedly I underestimated Cole's ability to just absolutely wreak havoc at the faceoff dot. Now I honestly that stat line in hindsight isn't that bad for Yale considering how many faceoffs there were, but still credit to Cole for keeping St. Joe's in this game. But in the end, Leo Johnson, Matt Brandau, Chris Lyons, they're too much offensively, each putting up six points in the day. Four and two for Johnson and Brandau. Lyons was three and three. Paquette in the Yale defense, they did a great job in limiting St. Joe's offense despite that huge possession disparity that they had. And then the Yale offense, they did the rest. Now, in this one, was I smart or was I dumb? Again, I picked the winner properly, but I totally underestimated how badly Cole would dominate that faceoff dot. Now, St. Joe's, I also underestimated how scrappy they'd be. They never gave up. So I did pick the winner properly, but admittedly, I didn't expect St. Joe's to hang that tight that late into the game, especially with the way Yale had been playing. The fact that Yale had a much rougher stretch to get there, I figured they'd just be a little bit more battle-tested and ready to roll. But hey, man, that's why they play the game. And St. Joe's, credit to them you know, for making me look stupid in terms of my spread pick for this one. Now, Yale, they are going to face Princeton next weekend. The Elis beat the Tigers 14-12 to in their regular season meeting early. I want to say it was sometime in March or so. So that'll be an interesting one to watch here. And I'll, I'll probably, I'll, not probably, I'll preview these on Thursday and we'll talk about kind of how that, what that matchup looked like the last time. Now, my favorite, I take it back. The first half of this next game, Virginia Brown, this was my favorite half of all of the games all day long. This first half was incredible, insane tempo. Both teams woke up and chose violence, a ton of lead changes. It, it was just, it was insane. It was a, a great first half in this game, albeit Virginia used the third quarter to pull away and win this game. 
Connor Schellenberger, he scored the game's first two goals, giving UVA a quick 2-0 lead. The second was a nice dish from Xander Dixon, kind of brought the ball into the middle of the field, sees the defense shade up, hits Schellenberger as he's cresting GLE, and then Schellenberger, boom, he buries it, uh, stuck it past the people's goalie. Now, Brown would take their first lead of the game, 3-2, a great save by Theriel on the defensive end, nice outlet to get transition going, and then Ryan Barons did the rest. And then immediately after they took their 3-2 lead, Petey fucking LaSala, he would get that goal right back on the ensuing faceoff. Brown violated on the faceoff. LaSala picks it up, booked it up the field. No one stepped up to stop him. And he uh, ripped what he just ripped rope, as Lee Felsmo would say, back uh, to back to tied at threes. It'd go back and forth like that. A hell of a game here. Just lead changes left and right. Uh, it was the lead was only a goal for either team through almost all of that first half, maybe through the whole first half. Uh, Brown took a seven six lead with three fifty six to play in the half, only to have UVA once again answer immediately. This time it was Peyton Cormier from Jeff Connor scoring to tie things up with three fifty six left to play in the second quarter, and then UVA would go on a quick run in the third. They scored two quick goals to end that third quarter. Matt Moore getting the second of that batch with four. 14 seconds left in the third, a dodge off a free possession due to a flag down as time was expiring in the quarter. That made the score 13-9. That gave the Cavs their largest lead of the game, and they'd roll from there. Now, a big stat line to look at here if we go into the individual stats. And you know what? I don't think they even have the goalie stats in here. Somehow, I don't know how that is. So you're not going to be able to see the goalie stats as I talk about it, but Big stat line, the battle between the people's goalie, uh, Connor Theriault, and then uh, for Brown, and then the freshman ACC Rookie of the Year, Matthew Noons, in net for UVA. It was widely accepted that Theriault needed to pull one of his magic games out of his ass. He was going to have to come up with a bunch of saves for Brown to be able to win this. He only stops nine shots versus 17 goals against and got very little help from his defense in the second half. Noons, on the other hand, stopped 16 of the 26 shots he faced, good for a save percentage of 62. Another disparity, face-offs. Petey LaSala, he wins 20 of 31 with 12 GBs, and he scored a goal. That is an aggressive stat line. That's why Petey LaSala is one of the most impactful players, period, in college lacrosse. Should have maybe even been considered as a Twarton candidate, in my opinion. The dude, just the the effect he had on outcomes of games is just bonkers. Maybe maybe going Twarton candidate is a little deep uh, in terms of a one of the five Twarton finalists. But, man, just the the impact he has on games is next level because he both wins faceoffs and he scores goals. He scraps. I love the kid. Schellenberg. Uh, after getting uh, chirped for being named a Twarton finalist over Matt Brandau, which even I was like, ah, oh, man, Matt Brandau's numbers really did kind of put him in a place where I thought he should have been one of the finalists, and Schellenberger's had a, a down year in terms of point production, but he was banged up. Uh, he ends up going for four goals and four helpers off just six shots. Efficient isn't even the right word. I mean, like, damn efficient, you know, motherfucking efficient, whatever you want to call it, that's the better a better way to describe it. Cormier, after making a few costly mistakes early in the game, he went on to score five goals off just nine shots. What can we see that here? Let's see. Yep, there you go. Connor Schellenberger, four and four, 8.6 shots, only one turnover. Great game. Peyton Cormier, five goals off nine shots, uh, put, put six of those bad boys on cage. He did have four turnovers. Like I said, made a couple of mistakes early in the game, but then he got one back on a ride late. Uh, Matt Moore, two and two, Xander Dixon, two and one, Jeff Connor on two, you know, they, the usual suspects kind of filled it up for UVA. Now, how did I do on this one? How did I, and then UVA, they're going to face uh, the winner of Vermont and Maryland 
that that, that game's going to be played shortly if you're watching this before that game starts. I already told you in Friday's preview what I thought was going to happen there. I won't beat a dead horse. But uh, was I smarter dumb in this one? Once again, I picked the winner right. I called for a three-goal spread, though, and I thought it would be close to the end. I didn't expect Theriault and the Brown defense to fold quite so early in this game. I figured they'd hold on late into the fourth or into the mid-fourth before UVA would kind of pull away by a few goals. The Brown collapse simply just came quicker than I thought it was going to. I knew that UVA was going to outlast them and eventually get to that win. I just didn't expect for it to to, to become as the, the, the spread to become as aggressively uh, dope as it was. Uh, and, I, and I was rooting for UVA. I, I wanted to see a good game, but I just, I, I've become a fan of UVA as much as that pains me to say, uh, just because I like their style of play. I like Tiffany. I'm a LaSala fan. How can you not like what Schellenberger does on the field in terms of just how good he is? I like Cormier as a finisher. You know, I mean, if anyone offensively is built to hang with Maryland, UVA is. The problem is just that they're defensively, it's really hard to stop that onslaught. And defensively, Maryland is that good. So I do like, I, I think that UVA's offense is as deep as Maryland's. It's just not the, the, the total team depth, the defensive depth isn't quite there for UVA. So and that's who UVA has to play next is going to end up being Maryland, I'm sure. So let's talk a little bit about uh, – now, now, before I go into this, and for the people who just tune out after the after these games here, make sure uh, – I'm going to come back uh, Monday morning, tomorrow morning here. I'm going to do the recap for the games that are being played today and some more D3. But let's get into a little bit of the D3 action here. A lot of blowouts here. The, the conference tournaments at the D3 level finished off much better than the first round of the NCAA tournament does for the D3 level. RIT smoked Albion here. You look at the scoring, Spencer Ball, 4-1, Sam Bennett, 0-3, Sean Trainer kind of spread it out here pretty deeply. So that was decent, but RIT gets the win there. Salisbury beat up on Stockton, but it wasn't as bad as I thought this one might be. But you look here, Cross Ferreira, 5-2, Jack Dowd, 1-5. So that's a hell of a job for Salisbury. Union, a team I've been watching here, upstate New York guy. So I'm always interested when when rando teams in upstate New York do well. And Union's one of those teams right now that's kind of a team of destiny here. A lot of veterans running around for them. Peter Burns, 3-1. Keaton McCann, 3-0. They got the job done, and they beat John Carroll. 14 to 7. And then we then, then this game was just an absolute nightmare. 33 to 10. Tufts absolutely demolished demolished Norwich. Bergdahl, he goes 2 and 6. Boyden 3 and 3, but that's just that's a pretty nice uh stat line right there. Then we start getting into some of the tighter games. Gettysburg 14-8 over Roanoke. This was supposed to be a good game. Ended up being a fairly solid game here, but Gettysburg picks up the win. Connor Hume 4 and 2 on the day. So that was big time. I should have gone through the goalies and the faceoffs here and these other ones. But then we see here Scott McMillan. <clears throat> he goes 12 and 8 on the day. Or he makes 12 saves against eight goals against on the day. They get the win. What'd the faceoff dot look like in this one? Jonathan Moshi, he goes 13 to 23, you know, so they kind of win the faceoff battle overall. Gettysburg wins that game. St. Lawrence and Cortland, they had an absolute dogfight here. And as we see here, 15-14 in favor of St. Lawrence. Chris Jordan, 2-4. and four. Joshua Huai, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Huai, maybe, 4-1. Uh, you know, they end up winning this game here by a goal. William Helm, uh, not, a, not a great day in cage here for the St. Lawrence goalie. Travis Wagner, 53% in the net to uh, give Cortland a chance. I was surprised. I thought St. Lawrence might win this one by a bigger margin. What did they do earlier in the year? They beat him 14-8. Earlier in the year, did they play him in the tournament? Nope, they didn't. So, yeah, I thought that uh, St. Lawrence would maybe win that one by a larger margin, but either way, 
They pull away with the win. Wesleyan beats RPI. RPI had a pretty solid season. Wesleyan takes it to them 19-14. to Justin Hazard, 4-2. and two. Uh, Not a good day to be a goalie in this game here. I just accidentally clicked an ad. And uh, yeah, that wasn't not much of a stat line there. This is really lame here, guys. I'm just trying to throw some fluff at you uh, before I end this and start cutting this up. Lynchburg lost to Western New England, 14 to 10. Nothing huge here. Matt Greer, two and three. Jared Newell, four and zero. Oh. And then we got York and Denison. York beat Denison pretty handily, 16 to four. And uh, Jack Grayson, two and five in that one. So yeah, I didn't do a great job on that. I uh, I apologize. Hey, now we're off my screen here. So I'm I'm gonna end this. We're gonna quit. We're gonna come back tomorrow. We're gonna cover Monday morning. We're gonna cover all of the games that are being played today. Go a little bit. Just again, we'll just rip through some news. D three. Once the D three gets into their uh, quarterfinal and semifinal rounds. We'll cover that those games more deeply, but I just wanted to rip through some scores and be able to say some guys' names out loud, give them some press and all that crap. So that's it. Come back tomorrow morning, Monday morning. We're going to do this again for the games all being played today. If you want to see my picks for these games being played today, you can go back to Friday's preview show. I previewed all eight of these playoff games coming up here. So you can go back and check that out uh, You know, to see how smart or dumb I was. But we'll keep playing that game smart and dumb as we keep going through because I'm going to predict everything as we go through the rest of this. And uh, that is it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow morning to watch the next show. And uh, that's it. Hoost is out. Mm -hmm.